Hello and welcome to Noodle Pros. I'm Brendan Mernon, Senior Director for, um, for Recruiting um, and Quality. And I am here today uh, remotely with Kate Fisher, a tutor in New York. Uh, and she and I are going to talk about issues around students who uh, have executive function issues. And thank you for being here today, Kate. Well, thanks for having me. Really good to see you. Okay, so Kate's background, I will tell you a little bit about. Kate has been a tutor for over 12 years. Uh, she is an extremely busy tutor here in New York City with uh, a very thriving clientele that asks for her by name. Uh, she has a lot of students in New York City, especially in Manhattan where she lives. Uh, right now it's all online, but normally uh, she's hustling around the city in person to meet people and she sees people in New York and sometimes around the country and around the world. Uh, Kate uh, tutors a wide range of topics, both academic and test prep, and a wide range of ages uh, from younger kids all the way through uh, students in high school. And I think what, uh, you know, what to, to my mind uh, distinguishes Kate from other tutors, uh, you know, beyond her, her, her skill, her empathy, and her ability to connect with parents and students is, is her, I think, uh, ability to um, deal with a wide range of students presenting with different levels of, of academic or social skill. Uh, she's not one of those tutors that can only take the kids scoring in the 95th percentile trying to get to the 99th or the kids who are perfect students trying to become even more perfect. Um, Kate grew up in a household um, with an autistic brother. So she's familiar with uh, the changes that have, have taken place in our society around awareness of autism or what, what's called neurodiversity uh, and is up to speed with a lot of uh, latest practices and keeps up with things. In fact, she is right now getting a uh, professional certificate in neurodiversity with a specialty in executive function from Landmark College, which is a, uh, a special uh, college for people who have uh, neurodiversity uh, and learning difference issues. And I am very glad she is here with us because I hold her in great esteem as a colleague and friend. So with that said, let's uh, Kate, get into some of the questions that we get every day here at Noodle Pros from parents wondering uh, now that they are at home 24 seven with their with their their student or students who um, who have executive function issues, um, sort of where to go. So before I ask you some of the questions that come in, um, can you just very briefly? I mean, I know a lot of the the viewers of this will already know this because otherwise, why would they have clicked on it? But some people might be wondering what, like, what on earth, or what what is this term executive function? What what does it refer to? Yeah, thanks, Brendan, uh, and thanks for that introduction. It's it's funny because executive function over the past five years has sort of become synonymous with organizational difficulty, but it's it's so much more than that. It's often, um, we often see executive function challenges in students with ADD or ADHD. And it's executive function, it's sort of, you know, the manager system of the brain. So things about organization, that's part of it, but also activation, getting ready to do work. A lot of students might say, oh, I know I need to do this, I want to do this, but they can't get themselves to actually start doing the task at hand. And you also have um, 
emotional regulation, self-management issues that you know are all wrapped up in executive function as, as well as prioritization. And what's interesting is in this climate where kids are at home, kids are online for learning and there's distance learning, e-learning inherently favors students who excel at executive function and can organize their own time and can manage their own tasks. So we, we're seeing the students who have struggled and, and have been already working to improve these skills really take a step back because they're being inundated with work, much of which is asynchronous. Okay, so so in other words, if, if, the, if the teacher says, okay, we need you to do these drills on page, you know, 17 to 19, and that's going to be due Wednesday, and, and it's, it's not right there, you're saying that's a little bit harder for some kids to, to plan all of that complexity and deal with it. Absolutely. And a lot of times they'll wait until Wednesday, 10 minutes before it's due, because they can't get themselves to do the task until it feels like an emergency. And of course, that becomes extremely emotionally dysregulating. And when you're living at home, it can become dysregulating for the entire family unit when everyone is with each other all the time. Hmm. That makes sense. So, okay, so let's, let's say I'm with a parent and, I mean, I'm a parent and uh, I have a child who either has been diagnosed as having executive function issues or I suspect that there's that you know, it, it gets to the level of sort of impeding ability to get through the, the day or it affects the family, or even if it's just, you know, somebody neurotypical and sometimes has challenges in this way. Like, what can I do? Do I need to be an expert? Do I need to read books on this? Do I need to go to school to have, because now I'm at home, what do I, do I, how much do I need to know here to help? That's a good question. The good news is every parent is, who's concerned about this is already an expert in their child. And what's interesting about executive function, yes, it's a label. Yes, ADD is a label, ADHD is a label. But if you meet 100 people with ADD or ADHD or executive function issues, you've met 100 people. They're all different. Everyone is their own person. And each students who struggle with executive function, they might not all struggle the same way. So by virtue of being an expert in the child, you're already, you know, miles ahead. There are resources, there are books, um, two books that are really helpful depending on the age of the student uh, are Smart and Scattered and Smart and Scattered Teens by Peg Dawson and Richard Guar. And there's a lot of workbook-like activities and, and scaffolding to help your child with specific areas. That said, it can also be difficult because it can increase the, I always tell my executive function students, my primary job is to ease the tension between parent and child. Because, and I know you've experienced this too, Brendan, because we've talked about this, how many, there's so many times where a parent has asked their child, whether neurotypical or neuroatypical, to do something five, 10, 50 times, a tutor will come in, a third party, ask the child to do it once, and it gets done. So there's a lot, because one of the things here is from ages, the students I work with are generally middle school and high school, and they're starting to develop their independence and autonomy. So it's sometimes hard to, for the child to listen to the parent because the child wants their individuality, wants to do things the way they want to do them. That said, if the way the child wants to 
approach a learning task or procrastinate or you know not look at the website every morning where the assignments are listed it can end up hurting the child's academic career which can have more repercussions and concerns about will the child be able to go to college and thrive in a collegiate setting independently so so what are some things i like if i if i'm a parent mm -hmm. you know, different ages things that sim simple or not super expensive or difficult things that i can do to support my child that either i know has ef or or i suspect right there so there are a lot of resources online which is helpful you can print out daily homework planners uh, one thing that i advise a lot of the families i work with at the beginning of the week everyone sits down together they go through whatever learning management system the school is using and I often um, have them buy those oversized monthly calendars and hang it somewhere in the kitchen and color code different classes or different types of assessments. Okay, there's a test in a week, there's homework due this day, there's a project due that day. Because a lot of, and going through and helping the child organize is often a really good first step. And what's nice about this new environment of e-learning is that most of the assignments, and if not all, are listed in one central location. That might not have always been the case. In when we were in brick and mortar classrooms just over, you know, a month or a two months ago, what, a, what often happens is a child would come home, the teacher said something in class, and the child didn't pick it up, and then something falls in between the cracks. We do have this benefit now where everything is laid out for parent access as well. Yeah, I've, I've seen that with my younger daughter. I mean, she's actually pretty good about organizing her stuff, but it is true for her that you can sign on and see all the assignments, whereas in the past it might have been, when she was younger, uh, a piece of paper that got lost in the backpack. Yeah. So that, that was a little bit, you know, a, a little bit more challenging. Um, what about the, you know, you, you were saying at the beginning here that um, distance learning and the whole computer, that tends to be relatively more advantageous for people who are neurotypical in this regard and, and don't have, don't need support in, in task completion and organization and things like this. How is it, can you go into a little more detail on how it's harder for kids sure. with EF and how maybe parents can mitigate just the computer aspect of it? Yeah. So as wonderful as technology is, and you know, a lot of schools are really handling this transition well, there, there are a couple of factors that make it challenging. One, I've, I've found that students are responsible to teach themselves what they would have been taught in the classroom. So class, a lot of schools have really cut back on synchronous learning, and there aren't Zoom classes or there, there aren't Google Classroom live sessions. The teacher isn't writing on the board or facilitating a discussion anymore. It's go watch this video, go do this, go do this. So the student now has a bunch of tasks that would have been done with the classroom learning environment originally. Um, so that's hard. So, and, and that's on top of regular homework, regular assessments. So it's hard to manage. If a, if a student with executive function issues logs on on Monday and sees 20 tasks all in a row, that's cognitive overload for their brain. 
The other piece that, that's challenging is students who fit this profile are often you know, excessively distracted, which is sort of what we think of as, as the stereotypical ADD or ADHD diagnosis. Any teenager, if you put them in front of a screen, they're gonna find a way to talk to their friends or look up something they're interested in or go on YouTube and watch whatever they wanna watch or even go on Netflix. It's incredibly difficult for a student to focus on a screen to do schoolwork. This is even more true for students who are neuroatypical or neurodiverse. They, they just can't, the prefrontal cortex doesn't fully develop in a neurotypical individual until the late 20s. It's even more delayed in, in neurodiverse students and individuals. That's, that's really interesting. So, so it's definitely more challenging. Then talk, talk a little bit then about, um, you know, I mean, I'm a parent, you know, I mean, as you know, I have, I have a 12 year old and a 20 year old. And I know that sometimes the whole difficulty of, gee, I have my job already and I have my other relationships and my other obligations. And then here I am having to go through the finer points of the sequence in which my kid's homework needs to get done and to which rubric and which day. And then I, as a parent, maybe have cognitive overload because that added on to the things I had to do. And now there's conflict between me and my child and, and this seems to exacerbate it. How do I, as a parent, now that I'm at home, I mean, if I, and I, if I were a parent and I'm, and I'm at home now and I have my job and I have meetings for work and my kid and the, how do I help myself with this? The calendar, the big calendar sounds like a great idea. Uh, how do I help myself emotionally though, in terms of that relationship so I don't make it worse for my child? That's a, that's a tough question. I think it is you know, an individual ind to individual basis. What are the demands of the parent's job? That said, a couple of things that you can do, this is actually kind of cute. You can establish office hours for your child and say, okay, from, you know, scheduled from 3 to 3.30 p.m. and 9 a.m. To, to 10 a.m., I'm available to help you scaffold and organize and sort of create, it's, it's interesting because it's in, in developmental psych, we talk a lot about boundaries and, and creating boundaries and in interpersonal relationships. And I, I don't, I'm not a parent myself, but I, I can imagine it would be extremely emotionally stressful to create a boundary for your child, especially if you perceive that your child is struggling. That mm. said, the goal of the boundary is to foster more independence. Mm. You know, and the other thing you could do, you know, the other thing that works really well, because the goal here is for executive function support, we're not really teaching content, we're teaching skills. It's performance-based deficit. It's, it's not um, dyslexia, it's not dyscalculia, where there's, there's a skills deficit. It's a performance deficit. They want to do, they want to get, do the output. They just can't figure out how to do it. Something gets in the way of actually producing what they're being asked to produce. So building those skills and scaffolds in terms of, so it's sort of working on the form rather than the content. Um, incentive trackers are also really helpful. Coming up with a couple of tasks or behaviors 
that you're that you want your child to do every day. So for example, you know, every day go through homework, fill out the calendar, uh, take breaks. A lot of students with executive function issues. Okay, so now so we're we're back after that short interruption. We had we had technical difficulties for a moment. Uh, and we were discussing um, emotional regulation for for students with EF, uh, and you know, in the in the context of it being uh, a, a performance-based deficit rather than a skills-based deficit, and and Kate was talking about uh, incentive trackers, and I'll just let her continue approximately where she was. Great. So even if the child is a perfectionist and will spend a lot of students will be actively inefficient in completing assignments and they're working very very hard and they'll spend five hours on one sentence and they can't get over that hurdle so coming up with target behaviors and this is where as the parent you're already an expert in what what your child struggles with what are the areas what are the behaviors that lead to emotional dysregulation or staying up till 2 a.m. to finish a project. And what you can do, start small. You wanna start with three or four behaviors that you wanna see that, that are achievable for your student, whether they're in middle school or high school or, or younger or older, and work towards something. So if the child wants to play video games, for every task they do, every behavior. So uh, I expressed when I was frustrated instead of yelling and, and slamming doors. I used my words and, and for, that might work for a younger student. Or uh, I gave myself mental breaks and didn't push through and overload my, my cognitive ability. Or I filled out my planner, I filled out my calendar. Things that seem simple that can actually really build a foundation for, for future success and work towards something. And this is a great thing to, to ask your child, what do you wanna to work toward? Do you want five minutes of video game time per task so they can earn up to 20 minutes of video game playing a day? Or you know, they, maybe they wanna do a baking project or watch a, a certain TV show. They can earn episodes of a TV show. And the, the, the goal is that the tasks are achievable because we want to set students up for success. And then it's behavioral psych. They're being reinforced for doing these things and trying for new ways of studying or learning that can be difficult for them that we that many people take for granted. So and then you, you know, you once those tasks are mastered, you choose new ones. And there can be bonuses and yeah. So talk to me then, you know, for a parent about, I think, talk to me about patience, mm -hmm. you know, because I think that you know, my, my experience as a parent is a lot of times I could use more of it. Um, and I think that sometimes as a tutor, I've seen this and as a parent, I've seen it in myself. And I know, you know, because we talk about this a lot, um, and I know you're really good at advising students and parents in terms of their own feelings around success or performance or, gee, it's not quite where I want it to be yet, but I'm on a journey toward that. Like, what's the role of, of patience and how much is the right amount and things like, I find that parents sometimes will look back and 
remember themselves as having been more organized or capable at the age that their kid is now. And I'm not saying that that doesn't mean that, like, that the kid has EF issues. I just mean that sometimes I think maybe parents sometimes expect more than the student can give at that moment and don't always realize that there is progress being made. Like, so how do I, if I'm a parent and I have a student who has these EF issues and now I don't have the support of the school as much every day, how do I find that patience and the ability to, to see that incremental improvement or to see the wins, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis and, and share that with my child as opposed to it being constantly negative? How do I do that? That's a really, I, so, it's a really tough question. And I, I think the most important thing for this current climate is for parents to look, and everyone, no one is happy right now. <laughs> this is not a situation that anyone, any person, and it's, it, what's interesting is we're, in, we're at a moment in history where 20, 30 years from now, every single person on the planet will remember this. You know, you meet anyone from any place and you have this in common already, this crisis. So I think it's really important for parents to take a step back and look at how they're responding to this situation and realize for, for a child, they're also stressed. They don't want to be stuck inside. They don't, it's funny because the two weeks leading up to the closing of schools, a lot of my students, do you think they're going to close school? Do you think I'm going to have no school? And they were very excited. And now a month later, they are all extremely upset. I miss my friends, I miss my teachers, I miss going to class. So it's important to realize that children, parents, everyone is dealing with this in their own ways. And that I think it's really important to be on the lookout for signs that you're, you know, I think children who weren't struggling are gonna struggle more now. I think every child is struggling because something that was so routine for them, go to school, do my homework, see my friends, it's all gone. And they're having to navigate this new climate. And so it's important to remember that, you know, even if you see a regression, something your child had mastered, but now seems, you know, like, oh, they, they're not doing this as well as they were doing it six months ago. The emotional drain of this situation is really palpable for everyone. And children are not, you know, exempt from, from that, that burden. So I think in being patient, I think also parents, you have to, they have to be patient with themselves and realize they're struggling. They're, you know, they went from, you know, having 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. Or if they're working, they, you know, go to work and come home. No one can be with another person constantly. You, you know, it's, it's, you love your children, you want to be with your children, everyone needs some space to reset and process their own thoughts. Um, and, and it's hard to do that when everyone's basically stuck inside with, with very few exceptions, groceries and stuff like that. So it's, it's important to give yourself space. And again, this is where office, in addition to office hours, carve out a time, an hour, 45 minutes, half an hour, this is the time when I'm gonna have my alone time. And maybe give, you know, for the child as well. Cause people, I, it's hard to be there. It's like in the planes, the oxygen mask, you put it on yourself before helping the other, before helping your child. And you can't help your child if you're 
also emotionally drained and spent. So I think taking the time and also just having compassion for your, for your own experience. And I, I, it's hard. It's, it's, it's easy to say it. It's harder to do. And, and let's talk for a second then about um, what you do as a tutor, right? Like right now, I'm sure you're working with some families that have one or more, mm -hmm. you know, children with executive function issues. Um, how do you add value remotely and, and what can parents learn from that either if they want to maybe have a, a tutor help out and, or, or for what they do themselves? We do a lot of setting up of incentive trackers and systems. And what's nice about that is we set it up together. So normally I, I make the parent and then both, both student and parent be on the call. And we talk what's gonna be successful for the student. We get student input and parent input because it's interesting. Sometimes a parent will think, oh, my child doesn't do this. And the reason the child you know, doesn't look at the learning management system the school provides is a totally different reason from what the parent thought. So creating tasks and also um, we do a lot of non, I do a lot of non-directive coaching, especially with older students, which is get working on their metacognition, how they learn, why they learn. It's funny because tutors are often extremely aware of how we learned best because we're trying to help other students, whether it's for test prep or academic support or executive function challenges. And you know, you hear even in normal conversation, oh, well, I'm a visual learner. Oh, I learn best with, you know, movement, things like that. And it's in, it's helping students realize, oh, I'm most successful when I print something out, even if it's online, I do, I, understand it more if I print it and I'm actually highlighting it physically. Little things like that. Or if there is something that didn't go well, I had a student who spent five hours on an AP, you know, assignment and couldn't, it was language, couldn't hear it well and got, what could you have done now that you're removed from the situation? How could you have handled it? And helping the students sort of arrive at those conversations or those aha moments themselves, facilitating that introspection um, through questions. It's, it's interesting because executive function support often does take the form of, of coaching. Um, for the parents I work with, I tell them that if they're going to you know, say something to their student or they get impatient, I say, text me instead. If you wanna intervene, I say, I don't care what time it is. I put my phone on do not disturb when I sleep. If it's 2 a.m., it won't wake me up text me instead and just complain about your child if you want. Sure. And I, you know, using that, my, you know, inbox as an outlet instead of, you know, further creating further tension between the parent-child relationship, which, which is already strained right now, given the situation. It just is. And I think accepting that and knowing that it's, it's absolutely not a reflection on anyone's parenting ability or how much you love your child accepting that this is an unprecedented crazy time that no one thought we would be experiencing that can go a long way because once you accept it you can sort of say okay this is the situation what can we do to make it bearable well that's excellent so yeah. it sounds like in summary you know executive function issues are they're they're certainly not rare um 
not quite a few kids have have issues around that they're largely around being able to you know complete tasks effectively and of course that's you know based on age appropriate uh and 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 individual uh you know markers uh don't be super you know ashamed if it's a thing that's happening don't be hard on yourself as a parent try not to be super hard on your child there are things you can do in terms of organization and incentives and being compassionate with yourself and with your child and helping yourself be able to deal if you're a parent with yourself first and then uh, with your child uh, second and uh, the computer offers some challenges but there's also some opportunities in the sense that the, the information is there there are a lot of resources out there um, for parents that have further questions, uh, this, if this brought up other questions or, or, or brings you to uh, what would be next steps for you, we at Noodle Pros are always uh, happy to help in any way that we can. We have many, many experienced tutors with uh, a lot of diverse experiences and a lot of years uh, dealing with a lot of different issues. We're at www.noodlepros com and you can reach out to us anytime with questions and someone will get back to you and help you um thank you kate for being with us and uh i i, I find that that when i speak to you uh generally i tend to learn something about myself as as a person as a parent and as a tutor so i appreciate always the time with you, well, um, thank you. i hope to see you in person soon i know <laughs> i will see you online soon uh and and thanks for being with us today Thanks for everything, Brenton. Okay, stay safe and bye-bye. And you too.